there isn't just skilled in the industry. There's like a junior developer and a, I don't know the names before because we don't we don't work like in the medium industry. Yeah, medium Leads, uh, and high probably Leads, seniors. Yeah, sure. Those that's probably it. Venti, Venti, <laughs> the tall ones, <laughs> grandes, tall grandes. We need a Venti. tall programmer. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 192 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I made the mistake of having coffee yesterday but not today. I'm Sam and I just chugged a five-hour energy. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is a Fabrizi Tooth Fairy 20 Grind Team. Ooh, yes, one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. yeah but- smells great. Gives you money. Mm-hmm. What else could you want? Takes your teeth, though. Be careful. It's right. Yeah, but only the ones you don't need anymore. That's true. That's right. And before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. Profanity warning. There it is. We are not legally liable anymore. Nope. And I don't think we ever were because I, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think no, so. It's not. No, that's not we're even. Not, a, we're not FCC regulated. I'm we're just sure. doing this out of courtesy. Really. That's true. And we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net who are uh, routinely hurling uh, quarters dollars dimes. and sometimes dimes and, right at our face and sometimes obscenities yeah yeah that's the weirdest way to get paid though yeah. in this business nobody pays me in in curses <laughs> i mean have you have you looked in our you know comments on our games because that's mainly what it you know, that's is that's true we have a we have a uh, tip jar and we have a swear jar where yeah. people put their swears in there uh, yeah and, and, and basically like our free games the way that we that people seem to think that the way that they pay us for the for the, the free games is just by hurling mm-hmm. obscenities in the that's where that's yeah. why we do what we do yep. <laughs> <laughs> it pays the bills uh right, we need to talk about something important mm-hmm. which is uh co- something about a coat so i got a story all right i got a yarn buckle your shoes pilgrim buck bring out your knitting needles all i got right. a yarn to spin all right well, are, you, are you gonna spin it or bust out your loom it? bust out your loom because i got a yarn all right so <laughs> i feel like we've sufficiently <laughs> so up this story. The, the bit of backstory on this is that oh this is a backstory it's a backstory i had a conversation with my wife the other day because doing some dishes or something and i don't know something bad happened like in the context of the house or whatever and my immediate response is it's fine and she just kind of started giggling, and she was like, everything just seems like it's fine to you. Like, whenever things happen, you're just like, this is fine. And then you kind of just muddle through like and figure it out. Like that dog in the flaming building. Exactly. This is fine. This is fine. <laughs> and what's the alternative? Well, so I started laughing a little bit um, and I was thinking back on, you know, just what had happened that exact day, uh, which is the following story, which I had gone to the gym and I went there right so before. So you're Tarantinoing this thing. Mm-hmm. So we're starting – at the end, yeah, and come back. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, so I'd gone to the gym in the morning, uh-huh. and this was the the class that ends at seven forty five, or sorry, at eight forty five, which gives me just a scant fifteen minutes to get to the office and shower up. Now at this time, I'd been planning on using the gym, the gym's shower, okay, but there's only yeah. two of them, and so I hadn't noticed that two people had snuck out right toward the end of class to go. You know, snipe uh, their showers. Uh-huh. Uh, the shower the, sh- the shower snipe. And so uh, I I go and I you know, jiggle the handle. It's locked. Jiggle the other handle. It's locked. I'm like, well, shit. Okay. Now I need a plan because they're, they have towels at this place, right? Mm-hmm. They have towels in the gym facilities for toweling off at. So I didn't have to bring one. Great. Which means I did not bring one. But at this point, now I have to make the decision. I can wait for 20 minutes right. for somebody these to get people a shower. are just going to be. It take forever. Yeah. Or. I can get to our office building, which also has a shower, but no not towels. towels. Uh-huh. And I was like, 
I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Did you think about in borrowing route. a towel? Borrow one and bring it back later? Bring it back No, because the towels are inside the shower stall. Oh, shit. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they thought of I was everything. locked out. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I know, exa- I know exactly what my next, my very next move is, which is to get to the office and begin showering. I have no idea how this is going to end. Step one. Step Wait, one. Which, which day was this? This, this, is, this is like last, probably last Monday, I think. Last no, Monday. last Tuesday or something like that. Okay. So, so I get to the office <laughs> and I'm just drenched in sweat. Let's see where this is, this is going. This is this cardio workout. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like disgusting. Take my way up. And the whole time I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, maybe there's going to be some materials involved in the sh- – like maybe there's some leftovers in there. Someone maybe left a towel. I don't know. Get, in the, <laughs> get into the shower room and there's nothing. There's nothing. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to be thinking about this while I'm showering because I'm here now. Got to get clean. <laughs> so, I'm moving forward with I'm this. I'm just going. <laughs> so I hop in the shower. I'm like, this is fine. Whatever. I'll figure it out. It's so I hop in the shower, getting cleaned off the whole time, just thinking about how is this going to function, how is it going to operate. Okay, all right, what's step two? Uh-huh. What's the next move here? <laughs> I'm all wet now. Yep. So I shower up, uh, you know, turn off the shower. I'm all wet and I'm at work. Yep. I'm, I'm down the hall from my office. Yep. Rip the shower curtain open and then I'm just standing there. And the room is almost <laughs> completely empty, right? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> all right, this is the moment of truth. I need to figure out now. I have to <laughs> – Somehow become dry. <laughs> so you had your clothes. I had somehow. I had my dry. sweaty clothes. Uh-huh. I had my clean clothes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then there's like a rack in the shower area, like a wire, like a wire rack. rack. Like I can't, I can't dry off with that. <laughs> it's just made of wire. And then there's a blow dryer, and I'm like, oh. <gasps> yes, I hadn't seen it. So I go pick it up. I'm very excited. I'm dripping water all over the place. And I look around. There's no outlet in there. <laughs> Apparently, you're supposed to you're supposed to take this blow dryer and go over to the bathroom, which is right across the hall. But they put it in the shower. But they put it in the shower room. And so I'm like, okay, oh, that's weird. Well, I guess that's a non-starter. So I'm just standing there you're for not a second. March naked across the hall. <laughs> not at the work building, at least. Yeah. So I'm standing there, and then I'm like, well, I'm gonna go ahead and try to just like slick this off, like you know, real fast. You gotta squeegee. You gotta, yeah, you do squeegee the hand, your body. The hand so I hand squeegee. I mean, I always do it a post shower squeegee anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's a good way to do it. Post yeah, shower squeegee. It's a yeah. good move. Good band name too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, gives, it keeps your towel from getting super wet. You know. Well, yeah. What, who wants a wet towel? Nobody What's the purpose? Uh, right. But yeah. So so I do the post shower squeegee. And of course, it's still just soaking wet because it turns out not super effective. Yeah, it's not actually. very effective, and especially not before you put on clothes. Like yep. that's not a good way to do it. And look around, look around, and I see my coat. Mm-hmm. And this is like a nice coat, you know? It's like one of the pea coat things, like wool or something, wool, or whatever. I'm just looking at it. And I'm sort of doing the math, <laughs> and it's looking back. It's looking back. It's like, damn, <laughs> this is not my purpose. But I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, it's got enough surface area. It's not super absorbent. <laughs> It's not super absorbent at no. all. It's a coat. It's, it's also meant like a to water repel. Coat. It's meant to repel water. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's enough surface area on that that if I just like just go for it, just go to town on that. And thing. so I'm like, okay, left arm is for my left, my left arm and my left leg. Right arm. So I just start breaking down this coat into the towels that it actually is. All right. <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, this is my only option because otherwise I have to walk out of this shower and work basically either nude or soaking wet, one of the two, neither of which are good. Or both. Or both. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I used my coat and I just completely toweled off using my nice wool pea coat thing. 
And then, but uh, then it dried because you were at work all day. And then I went to work and no one said a word. No one was like, hey, you definitely toweled off <laughs> using your coat today. <laughs> no one so knew. I've, I've had this experience. Everything's fine. Where, you know, I, I forgot a, a towel or something mm-hmm. and I went to a gym that doesn't have towels and then I used like a shirt or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I've never gone into it already knowing <laughs> that I didn't have a towel. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking. This, oh well. Uh, this makes me think of the sort of humanity's approach to global problems. You mm-hmm. know, it's like because we got global warming, we've got all the trash that we're piling uh-huh. up, all that kind of stuff. And right now, we're all just like, we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, right? we're gonna, we, we, we know, know this is bad. We, we know, know we're going to have to deal bad, with this. and we know we're going to have to deal with it. But we don't have to deal with it right now. So we'll just keep doing it, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually, we're going to figure it out. What's the it problem? Becomes is, a problem. Well, I think it's the thing. The problem is that. You know, the the issue with human ingenuity is that you tend to almost always just find your way out of these pickles to get yourself. Yeah, we have so far. That's why we still exist. Yeah. There'll be always some way to kind of get yourself out. There's always a coat. And it, once you know? we there reach There may that, not always be a way, but so far there has yeah. been. Yeah, but that's the thing is once we reach a point where we have no way out, that's the way out. We're done now. Problem yeah. solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did it. Mm-hmm. We ended the earth and now it's not our problem anymore. Yeah. Everybody else's problem. Yep. So- uh, that's good. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed your yarn. That's a good go. story. <laughs> uh, okay, we need to talk about studio stuff. What's in the news? Uh, last week we talked about we talked about how all of a sudden Nintendo announced Mario Maker Two, and we were like, "Shit!" Uh-huh. So what's coming up soon? Ish, ish is the Level Head Alpha. We're doing it. We're mm-hmm. getting this in the hands of people, actual human people, and we're gonna see what happens. How many people? We don't know. We don't know. Ideally, the somewhere details, between fifteen and thirty-nine thousand. Yeah, yeah. So kind of in that. So similar to the toweling situation. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. But we're not exactly clear on the details <laughs> yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's basically because I want as many people as possible to get our web infrastructure, mm-hmm. infrastructure tested. Um, but we also don't want a huge number of people because the whole thing might be a disaster. Yep. Because um, there are other things we need to test, like our feedback reporting system. So, for example, yeah. if we have a mm-hmm. shitload of people and then our feedback system is terrible and then we end up creating a ton of problems for ourselves yep. trying to figure out how to deal with that. So but if we don't have enough people to reveal that there's a problem with a feedback system, then we, now we don't have a thing to fix. Yeah. So it's likely that we'll do something similar to what we do with Crashlands where you do like a smaller group for an alpha and then a larger group for a beta yeah. kind of a thing. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're we're angling, but it'll still probably be a sizable group. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we sent out the Ballyhoo. And in the Ballyhoo, that's our newsletter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Ballyhoo, we have uh, information about how to sign up for the Levelhead Alpha, or rather to get into the abs. the Rumpus Abs, the mm-hmm. Anti Bug Squad. Uh, and so we're going to be selecting from that group of of people who have signed up. Um, there's no guarantees. If you sign up for the Abs, we simply cannot get everybody. I think there's in already there. three thousand people in that list. Yeah, as of um, before we sent the Ballyhoo. Yeah, there are, there are there are so strict limits on how many people we can have in this thing. Uh, and it's well under 3000. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, there's no guarantee, but we still appreciate, you know, we still appreciate everybody. Yeah, three but I, I mean, I'm so excited to, to get it to people's hands finally. Yeah. So we need to talk about Adam played, Adam basically played level head for the first time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was waiting until the campaign was in, cause I wanted to have the new player experience. I wanted to have the experience of, you know, unlocking content in the editor and doing all that kind of stuff. So, um, so after I spent basically my five hour work day of doing my own stuff on the, the rumpus side of things, and then spent the rest of the evening, uh, originally planning to just play the game. Mm-hmm. 
And yep. instead, and instead, Seth and I debugged a bunch of things because mm-hmm. uh, it kept deleting his save, which yeah. is one <laughs> which of is those. Bad. That's one of those minor bugs that mm-hmm. you know we could put that off until post launch, but we thought uh, maybe, maybe we should just you know we're it's we're free. It's a yeah. it's a Saturday. Well, it is, I mean, it is <laughs> one of those things too, right? It's like that was the same thing with Crashlands. There was there's exactly one class of bugs that makes us drop everything. That I hate them. I hate them and so. That, much. that <laughs> class is the one that deletes uh-huh. people's progress. Yep. Uh, and we had these. If the uh, game crashes, that's fine. We'll yeah, fix that's that. That's fine. As long as you boot we it back up. We can fix that within yeah. a day or two. It's basically like everything that happens is fine. If we have to like come up with some wonky way to get some reverse compatibility, we can figure that out. What we can never do is retrieve somebody's 30 hours of progress yep. that they have now it lost. freaks me out every time, especially with a game like Levelhood. Cause, so I put up the the uh, level building the Sam video, which was a 20-minute time lapse of an hour build of a level. And yeah, you can imagine if someone spends an hour building a level, it's very mm-hmm. different from playing a game too. Cause it's like, it's sort of like a creative endeavor and you're not going to be able to like, there's, there's always going to be, you can't, you can't just come back in and recreate it from memory. You can't resume your progress. Exactly. If yeah. you, you if can't just like nuked. complete the same set of quests and get back yeah. to where you were, yep. you'd have to rebuild every block. Exactly. exactly. And so it's, that's the stuff that just gives me the yep. willies. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't yep. like it at all. <laughs> Yeah, so that, uh, that happened. So that happened to me a, a bunch of times. I would like make some progress and come back to the main menu, and then it would get nuked, and then I would you know keep on playing that game. And so then I, after after I was trying to I was trying to nail it down, trying to figure out what the hell was going on, but I couldn't make it happen consistently, just frequently, but not not in a consistent way. So the file I just sent Seth a direct message. It was like seven p.m. I think something like that. Which I was uh, already programming some other stuff. Yeah, anyway. I figured something would be working anyway, but also I was like, this is this is that kind of bug. Yep. So uh, he should it. probably know about this. Yeah. Also, it was becoming very difficult for me to test the campaign because <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> <I> could. <laughs> uh, and, and in particular, I wanted because I wanted to go find all the secrets and do all that kind of mm. stuff. But if every time you like finally find all the secrets, they get then, wiped. then it gets wiped. Then now you know the the secrets become less tantalizing. <laughs> yeah, it, it all becomes way less. Tantalizing. Well, it, yeah, and and I think the other weird thing about it was your wife was also playtesting alongside yeah. you and she, she had the same problem had the same problem but different yeah whereas for her her save was wiped one time mm-hmm. and then it was perfectly fine forever after that yep and adams kept wiping repeatedly over and over, over, and, over <laughs> and over again but in a weirdly inconsistent way so then yeah so i last night i was i was working on this thing i was like it has to it has to be related to the the online save syncing mm-hmm. right um and so we we Pin it down. First, we thought, okay, Adam played the game like last a long time April ago. or something. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. And we have rebuilt everything about how everything. how Rumpus handles. So maybe there's just some old data in there clogging yeah. up the pipes. There's some old data in there, and and most importantly, it was missing this one crucial piece of of information, which is required for it to know whether things are up to date. So basically, what kept happening was Adam's game kept kept thinking that he was out of date, and then just replacing what he had with what mm. the server had, which was nothing. So it just kept like replacing his save. Uh, so we solved that problem. And then and that then, th- and then, fix it. And then out. Adam started a new save. It wiped it again. <laughs> but then it was fine forever. Just like just like just his like, wife's would. Yeah. Yep. So then I was like, I don't, I don't fucking know. So I'm looking through all the code. I have no idea. I go to bed. I'm like, I'll. Yeah. So I, so I sent a message to Discord at 6.03 in the morning, I think is what it was. Yeah. Because like I, I, all of a sudden I just, I just woke up at 5.20 <laughs> and I was just like, wait a minute. I feel like I feel like there's something, but I didn't have any answers, so I just laid there for like eight more minutes. And then I just flew out of bed. And was like, I got it. <laughs> I figured it out. I, I quickly threw on a pot of coffee, ran downstairs, and start, start fucking programming. I was like one line, yep. <laughs> one line of code, 
just pointed at the wrong fucking thing. Uh-huh. And that was it, you know. Uh, and this is the thing that's so scary about again, like everything, every, every, like <laughs> bugs in general. I don't even, I just don't even worry about because I'm like, we'll f- we'll figure that shit out. It's always fine. But it's the same like with all of the rumpus stuff too, right? Because yeah. not only do you worry about your your data being nuked from the game, but we also worry about it being nuked from our server. online service. Yeah. And then we also have to worry about the interplay between those two things because one might nuke the other inappropriately or, or whatever. Mm, yep. And so so that's where all of my my darkest fears live. Yes, now, me too. we're talking about this because if you're signing up for the abs, just know that we will probably accidentally delete your shit. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. part of being – That's part of the deal. That's part of being in the it's alpha. Part of the journey. You know? um, yeah, the alpha is not just – it's not just temporary access to a good time playing a game that nobody has played yet. Like that's a big part of it, definitely. But the other part is you're going to be frustrated. You're good. It's temporary access to a game that's probably broke as fuck in yep. all kinds of ways that we don't even know. Yep. Um, yeah, we've been doing internal QA. We've been doing all kinds of stuff. But but you know this just goes to show that you know you you and your wife sitting down and playing it all of a sudden there's. There, you guys are playing it with two different sets of parameters mm-hmm. that we have not actually Tested. seen yeah. in the office, you know, just because of various things. Yep. So, well, yeah, it was that difference too between everybody in the office has been playing it over the past few weeks as well, right? And so if they ever had any of these problems, it was also at a different time, mm-hmm. right? When when and also they didn't have any the campaign, campaign progress. progress. They didn't have any campaign so they progress. they wouldn't have noticed exactly. if it got deleted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so everything. Uh. Yeah, so <laughs> so we just like these problems got suddenly revealed uh, because different people were playing, which this, is the whole point of the alpha. Too. This is also usually why during an alpha or a beta, something with Crashlands beta, we worked basically for three days straight for the first three days. Yeah, because, we're hot fixing things. Yeah, it was, and it was that was all those sorts of things where it was oh here's this issue, which is basically if something's blocking progress or in the worst case resetting progress. Um, those are the things that we just attack very aggressively, and so those first few days of of any one of these is always just like a. It's just kind of horrifying because you're just waiting for those to come. They're always in there. You can wait for them to come down the yep. pipe. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's a complicated machine that mm-hmm. we have. It's I think it's Levelhead is now something like ninety thousand lines of code. It's a little complicated. So yeah. there's some things in there mm-hmm. going on. I don't even know. Well, let's talk about uh, work. Just the volume that we're doing because we had a few people in our Discord say, "What's the difference between what you're doing at Crunch?" Right, because we're working on Saturday. Like I'm working at 7 p.m. on a Sunday, and then I'm suddenly mm-hmm. working again at 5:30 a.m. Mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So, what is the difference? Because it sounds a lot like crunch on the face of it. I think it uh, does, doesn't it? Uh huh. It's kind of like the definition of addiction, right? Which is that there's not, there's not, there's not a line that you cross where you go from being like enjoying a thing to now being addicted to that thing, right? Uh, there's the the sort of the the classic sort of medical definition mm-hmm. is, is basically when it starts to create problems in your life, right? The right. same thing with like mental illness, like all this kind of stuff is because everything actually lives on a spectrum, right? Right. And so we all have different degrees of any given problem or any given, you know, whatever. Um, but it's once that thing starts to become a negative force outside, outside of its, own, of its own sort of domain, mm-hmm. that's when it now, you can start classifying it as some sort of like a an problem. actual illness or an actual problem or whatever. And to me, that's kind of what crunch is, which yeah, is- Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, which is I love work. I work mm-hmm. a lot. Um, right now, but, I, but when we're not under some sort of a severe crunch of some sort I, or some uh, time, don't use the word. <laughs> when we're not under <laughs> a severe time constraint, yeah. Uh, that I that I work much more closer to like your normal, you know, fifty hour work mm-hmm. week or whatever. Um, and once we hit some sort of a of a time pressure thing, then now I'm willing to put in another, you know, ten to twenty hours mm-hmm. a week. Or whatever, um, but it's not. I don't do it in a way that takes away from 
everything else. It's not the cost right? of like health and sleep and yeah, because I make sure that I'm still doing those other things. Um, yeah. And it means that I'm I'm usually what I'm doing is actually cutting away all the stuff that like I didn't need to be doing anyway, which was mostly right. like watching TV and yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah. and the, and there is a little bit of a of a social cost where I'm just less likely to reach out to people to be like, hey, let's hang out or anything like that. Yes. Um, and, and then with my wife, I have to make sure that we're on the same page and just be like, Hey, I've got this, this unknown length time span where I'm going to be just kind of less aware of, uh, of things that need to be dealt with, you know, at home. And, uh, I'm going to be home late, later than usual, um, this whole time and so on, uh, just so that she can now be on board so she can be mentally prepared, prepared for right. a slight tweak in what our relationship looks like for the next, you know, few months or whatever. Um, but I make sure that I still spend plenty of time with her and, you know, still, we still talk every day. We still mm-hmm. have meals together. We still do all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just that now things are a little bit more compressed. Yep. Yeah. So I basically save all my, any socializing and stuff just for like post 7 PM because the reality is most of the time I'm not getting any quality work done past that point anyways. So, but even last week, I mean, it's, you know, I went to, I went bowling and out with friends on Thursday night, uh, had a movie watching party on Friday night. Didn't do anything on Saturday, thankfully. And yesterday I went and watched the Oscars at someone's house. But during the day, on both Sunday and Saturday, came to work, worked a bunch, hung out with my wife a bit. So like I think that's that that day that sealing the definition from addiction is the good way to do it. Where mm-hmm. it's, once it interferes with Right, there's a difference between working a lot and only working. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So because I feel like I'm still able to go to the gym, like able to, you know, run errands, help out around the house, do all that stuff. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's taken over in a yeah. way. Yeah. It is a lot, but it's not. It's, it's not a lot. Consuming, yeah. And it will be a lot for a while. Yeah. Uh, for the t- foreseeable till future. Until we, we get this thing further along mm-hmm. and are no longer, uh, you know, crap in our britches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As they say. Yeah. Uh, also, we've started to amp up our sort of marketing efforts and our community relations. Mm-hmm. Sam made a, a video. Yeah. So I built a, built a level. It's one of the campaign levels, actually, um, for what level mean, so Now people will know where the GR-17 is. Yes. But so, only for that level. Secret reveal. Secret reveal. Um, but yeah, so, so basically what it was, it was just a – I did an hour-long video and then time-lapsed it down to 20 minutes, uh, which is a 3x speed, and then just went back and talked over it. Um, so comically, because the build music is very chilled out in Levelhead, because, of course, you're going to hear it literally for hours while you're <laughs> building levels. Um, it makes really nice – just sort of a chill setting, out, hanging out, like just building some levels. And I kind of, you know, I tried to be a bit of a goofball with it too when I was talking about it. So I channeled some Bob Ross for it. Uh, uh-huh. It's been very funny. Actually, it's been received a lot better than I had anticipated. So people have been really enjoying it. And yeah, so like, is it like a almost 200 thumbs up and then one thumb down? Oh, like, who, is who is that? Who, who is that person? Who is that? And they were there um, almost immediately. Yeah. They were like one of the first people to hit it. They're like, ah. <laughs> I don't want this. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that person. <laughs> Fuck that guy. So there's always that guy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it was really fun to do. So I'm thinking actually I'll, I'll do another one of those. Um, and it, we're getting to this really interesting point too, where I mean Seth has so much programming to do that I can't, in good conscience, try to get him to put any more of my stuff in that involves him. So yeah. any more art, it's just kind of one of those like whatever's in there is probably just going to be the thing. That's where it is. For, yeah, for this alpha coming up. So. Um, so I got to find other stuff to do. And one of the most productive things I could do is get other people to think about the game a lot. So, um, so there'll hopefully be a few more of those videos coming out as we go. What do you mean? Hopefully, hopefully 
<laughs> no problem. I mean, who could who could determine if there's no way it's just much like there's... a shower towel situation? <laughs> like, figure it out when I get there. You know, it's, it's we're in here. It's Monday. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We can figure it out. It's gonna happen. Um, and we also are doing some fun stuff with telemetry. Tel- telemetry. Uh, so we got this Cabana thing hooked up, which I yeah. think Adam, you talked about. I think I mentioned the the elk yes. stack. The elk stack. Yeah, we talked awesome. about the elk stack. So we got this new beefy. Back end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, where we can essentially uh, send a whole bunch of different pieces of data to. It's got sort of like event-driven data. Would you say Rumpus has become more sensitive in the sense it has. It, uh, it, it can ha- sense. It can sense more things. More things. It's uh-huh. sensitive. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's got a sensitive <laughs> rump. So what, this, what we've done with this is we can use this to sort of do uh, checks on the health of different aspects of the game. And so, for example, we can uh, we have a, we have a certain idea of like as people go through the campaign, how hard different levels are supposed to be, right? And so we can we can send data on how people's attempts at the different campaign levels have turned out, and we can now look at like the win loss ratios of of different campaign levels, and we can get them in the order in which people see them. So we can look for act like we can literally see over time spikes in difficulty happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe at areas that we didn't intend. Uh, we can also track like how how many collectibles are people picking up? Is there a specific one that people just tend to not get? Um, and if so, maybe is that okay or is that just like is it too hard? You know, so we can actually use this to diagnose problems. But I will say, I mean, it's it's really interesting using it as a design piece because you know it's been interesting. I think in the industry for the last like five ten years because there's been this huge you know data driven design thing. But it's really funny looking at the data because there's plenty of levels where there is a tremendous difficulty spike that happens. But what we also hear from anybody who's played them is like that's oftentimes one of their favorite levels. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know. Basically, this piece of data means absolutely nothing by yeah, itself. Yeah, I think you don't use data to drive design. You use it to diagnose problems. Yes. Yeah. Because yep. like, yeah, so, like if you're, if you're uh, you know, kind of have that – if you have an, a theory about how those curves should look – and you might think like, oh, well, each level should be slightly more difficult than mm-hmm. the last, right? Mm-hmm. And so so what I should see in the curve is just like a nice, smooth slope. Mm-hmm. And I need to keep tweaking the levels until, until they're perfect. Until, until they're completely bland and nothing memorable happens <laughs> yes. the entire time. Uh, yeah, so there's this level right now about halfway through the campaign called Dune Doom Dream. And it's the first level that is an auto cam level, which means that the camera just moves and you got to you deal with up. that fact. But so you got to keep up. And it's like climbing this big crazy structure and makes use of two different power-ups and their switches and all it's just a it's a very crazy uh thing and even on the few the few in-person playtests i've done with it uh people struggle on it tremendously but also afterwards they're usually like that was really fun that was great <laughs> and we saw it now and using kibana the death ratio on that thing is very high through the roof <laughs> it's through the roof i think, I right, think now it's it's, level right now it's like 150 to one or something. <laughs> yeah so it takes a long <laughs> time to beat um but again well, there's another there's another cool part about that because we're, we're tracking deaths wins and, and resets right mm-hmm. because we're thinking like if a level has a high rate of people resetting then that's a that maybe, possibly maybe like, there may be a problem because maybe people are getting stuck like maybe they throw something away that they should have or whatever mm-hmm. right and so we can look for those red flags. It's literally red on our yeah. on our marker. Um, that level has none. Yeah. No, no, mm-hmm. As people play through that level, they're just like, yeah. Uh, they, they never <laughs> reach a point where they think like, I should start over, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they play until they die. They just keep going. Mm-hmm. So 
That's a good fun one. That's a good yeah, one. and interestingly, the levels that have the most plays um, are often the mid-range levels when it comes to how long it takes to actually beat them. Mm. Or in some cases, they're on the shorter end. Mm-hmm. People are basically dying a lot really, really fast, like back to back. You know, I think they, a lot of those are also the ones that have secrets in them, though, too. Yep. Yeah. You know, so because I, I know I definitely found that my my gameplay experience was completely driven by trying to find find CTs. all the secrets. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah, I was thinking about that because we, we added all these little things that you can collect, you know, and I think if we didn't have those, the campaign would be – It'd be boring as fuck. Yeah. yeah. So like boring. You'd, you'd play, you'd beat the level and you're like, I beat it. Yeah. Nothing else to do, but yeah. I guess no point in going back. Yeah, and the nice thing is because of how we handled the unlock system too, sometimes you need to have acquired the secrets to unlock stuff. And also sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know that you would need those. And so you went all of it them. very rapidly yeah, it creates a situation where you actually – you'll just replay levels until you mm-hmm. 100% each one of them because you don't know. know. There was a – there was an the first Eye of Gorbel level, mm-hmm. which is a little ninja guy. Sneaky guy. Yeah. Sneaky guy. Uh so my wife played it and then so she got done with her PlayStation and came over to watch me play for like the last mm-hmm. like 20 minutes or something before we went to bed. And uh, so then I got to that level and she was like, there were nine coins on this level that I just could not find. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm going to see if you can like find some extra. You know, was it the ones at the top left? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, the ones that are like with the, with the GR17? Yeah. No, we found those ones. Okay. Um, but as then at some point I was like sliding down a thing and went all the uh-huh. way to the bottom and found an extra like handful yep. of coins, right? <laughs> um, but then I got to the end and I was still eight coins short. Oh. So then I was like, okay, so between the two of us, we're missing like different. There's sets. a Venn diagram. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and we're not sure where that one left out. But so, that, so then that's a huge level. Too. It is too, because I, I mean, I was like, I need to play this again to go find those fucking coins. But it was, I did. It was like nine thirty, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, because it, it's a big level, so I just figured I would do that on my next, my next place. There's a couple of levels that actually just take like seven to ten minutes to beat. Yeah, just straight. Like even if you're there's just, just a of, lot, there's just a lot in. Yep. Which is which, really fun. Which is nice. So, they have checkpoints, you know, and they're paced out very well. I mean, yeah. even the first one that has a has a bunch of secrets in it, where you have to like you have to like get up and over everything. Because mm-hmm. when I when I first started playing it, because there's a part that looks like you could get up there, as in like it's sort of set up as stairs, sort mm-hmm. of, you know. And so you're looking at it, and you're like, there's no way in hell I can make that jump under any circumstances. But it looks like I'm supposed to be able to, mm-hmm. you know. So I spent a good like five minutes just <laughs> leaping at it, trying to do things, <laughs> trying to figure out what I could do. And then and then I ran to the end of the goal, and then I was like, and then. And then notice I was like, oh, there's a fucking ladder over here, basically. Yep. I was like, oh, okay. So I have to go. And I'm like, I see, I see what, what's going on here. <laughs> well, it's honestly one of my favorite parts about doing the design of it because the whole point of like the whole really fun part about being a level designer in a, in a, in a campaign is that you develop this design language that you, you get people to learn how to read mm-hmm. very slowly over the course of like the first 10, 15 levels where if they start seeing what appear to be abnormalities in the terrain. Yeah. Or like just coins that seem like maybe like if they were just coins, they should be to the left a few grid spaces. But for some reason, they're up against this wall. Like it's odd. Most of the time, they're nicely floating in the mo- like in the middle of stuff. Then you start teaching people how to read where there might be something, and then you see like one of my favorite things to do during the the testing was just to see where people start poking mm-hmm. around based on that, and then actually just go put secrets there because right. the, <laughs> like the whole point is that <laughs> right. if it feels like you you don't want to do it all the time. You basically start putting red herrings in. So there's also ton of, tons of those throughout the whole campaign where the design language I use to show people where secrets are, I also just use as duds. Yeah, because like, 50% of like the time. The, the key one is like the little, the little chunk. That's there's, yeah, a little, there's a little like, notch cut out. Or there's notch. like just a hole in the backdrop yeah. for no fucking – you're like, what? Why? Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> it's and then just something go, anomalous. Basically. Exactly. It's yeah. You teach people how to read the anomalies and then it's so fun because I think that's actually what so much of the fun part is because it becomes very much a conversation with the designer and the player where it's like – I put this here. Do you, can you find it? And the player's like, I got it. Yes. <laughs> it's so fun. 
Yeah, I love it. It's pretty good. It's the game. The game is coming along very well. I'm really excited to, to see what people oh, I'm so excited. what people think about yep. it. So, uh, also we have one final piece of studio news, which is we have a new operations manager. Uh, we actually have for a few weeks, but she's been going through training. Mm-hmm. So you know she's ramping up, mm-hmm. uh, and it is it is uh, my wife, yeah, Sampada. And she is coming from a seven-year background <clears throat> where she was doing HR and, and operations-style stuff at another company. Um, she's looking for, for a change, change of scenery. And we had Levelhead coming, and we're like, thank God. We need, we need, <laughs> yeah. some, we need some fucking help over here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, be- when it comes to running the business side of things, um, we've all been putting quite a bit of time into that aspect for the last, you know, years and uh it's very nice but also to, ignoring as much of it as possible yes and also yeah just not doing our it, business right? yeah we really lean hard on the can we not principle when it comes to yes. managing the the business yep uh it's probably not the greatest it's move. not the greatest so yeah she's already been frankly absolutely incredible when it comes to like a lot of this stuff and then you know found places where surprise we weren't actually being you know paid by someone who's supposed to be paying us money Mm-hmm. Yeah, she found a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of stuff like that. We're a bunch like, of uh, invoices that we had sent out, and they're like, never got like, paid for. You know, they never sent us this money, right? And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so she's hunting all that down, breaking some kneecaps. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. she's a she's a six foot one tennis player, so she's got a she's got an arm. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to see her at your front door collecting. You That's know? right. Yeah, You're good. Uh, so yeah, she's been doing a lot of good work for us and, and she's going to be ramping up. She's going to come with us to GDC as well. Mm-hmm. So just kind of get a, get a feel for the whole scene. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm excited about the fact that if a new business opportunity comes up, we don't have to stop development yes. to mm-hmm. go through the contracts and, and all of the conversations yeah. and stuff. So it's just one of those, just one of those process improvements yep. that we're always talking about. Uh, so I think that's all the news that we have for the day. Uh, so again, get into that uh, abs if you want to be in the level head alpha. And otherwise, uh, if you don't, then that's I guess it's also fine. It's fine. Yeah, you do whatever you want. It's your life. Mm-hmm. So let's go on some questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. First question comes from Sean, who says, question that could be answered by either Adam or Seth or both. As self-taught programmers and the ever so persistent intruder syndrome that comes associated with it, at what point in time do you feel in your career did you feel like an actual developer? Or did you ever? I feel like Sam has hit on this with his art, uh, having gone so long referring to himself as not really an artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been pretty uh, pretty apparent. So I want to say, first of all, the technical term is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Intruder syndrome might mean... That's where you just burst into yeah. conversations. <laughs> so like, if you're... Yeah. If you feel like an <laughs> intruder, just stop bursting into people's yeah. homes and, and buildings. Yeah, mm-hmm. quit, quit being the Kool-Aid man. So that's, <laughs> so that's one thing. Yeah. Um, so The imposter syndrome, the idea of it is that as you gather skill in a field, it kind of follows, we've talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect, the J-curve, a lot of the stuff in previous podcasts where- Yeah, imposter syndrome is is uh, is after the first part of the, the Dunning-Kruger. Because yeah. the Dunning-Kruger is all about like you basically, it's all about your mis, misrepresentation or your, your uh, misunderstanding of your- Skills. You learn a very small amount, and you think, and you, you know think that now you are the same as an expert, right? Yes. And yeah. then, and so once you get past that hump, you then end up in the, the uh, dip, the imposter in, syndrome, in the imposter syndrome dip. canyon, yeah. <laughs> Which basically says, while you're capable of doing things, you are just sort of waiting for someone to, to find out that you don't know as much as yeah. 
but but, the, but your skill is still going up at that time. Yeah. And so it's actually there's this just this really big gap because you still actually don't know very much when. So when when imposter syndrome first kicks in for the first time, that's you suddenly realizing that you're not hot shit. Yes. Right. And that's good for you. Very healthy. You need that in honest. your life. Yeah. And it's also accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's right when it right when it first kicks in. Right. It's it's correct. The problem is that it kicks in a little too hard and it like and it just like yeah. goes, <laughs> it'll just last. And then and then it lasts for yeah. a long, long, long time. Yeah. And as there and, and it should if it if this doesn't happen to you, then you actually have a different problem, which so is being a sociopath, which is being maybe. an egomaniac. Yeah. Something. Um, yeah. <laughs> you either have imposter syndrome or you're an egomaniac. Mm-hmm. Those are your two. Those are your two paths, I think. Right. Either, yeah. Either you think that your work is infallible. Yeah. Uh, which we did talk a little bit about last week about like learning how to evaluate your work from the outside mm-hmm. uh, and disregarding the fact that you made it because that fact has literally no value to anyone, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So people buying your products are only going to look at the thing. So you need to get your ego out of there. Yep. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you so you end up in that part and then it's just a slow climb where you increase your skill and then increase your ability to actually accurately gauge your skill relative, relative to, to – where it truly is right, right. the industry yeah um and but that, that comes with a lot of pieces you, have to, you actually have to understand what it means to be skilled in the industry like and at different levels because of course there isn't just skilled in the industry mm-hmm. there's like a junior developer and a i don't know the names because we don't, we don't work like in the medium industry you know, medium Leads. uh and high probably Leads, seniors yeah sure those that's probably it venti venti <laughs> the tall ones <laughs> grandes tall grandes we need a tall programmer <laughs> yeah so so I honestly have no fucking clue when it comes to like web development. Um, if I were to go out in the industry, like I don't know what the spectrum even is or where I fall in it. Well, right? This is why doing Global Hack was super fun. Yeah, because we don't know <laughs> we don't know where we stand relative to people, and then we can come and just throw down a you know throw down a weapon and be like, look at this, and then we can still throw down. We can still throw yeah, down. The, so it's kind of nice because we know we're not it means we're not at the bottom. Yeah, so that's good. So imposter syndrome is kind of gone. <laughs> so I got, have a confession. I don't think I've ever experienced imposter syndrome. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, but have you have we'll you experienced the belief that everything you're doing is really good? Yeah, I've definitely been on that. I definitely hit that peak yeah. at the at the beginning where I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so fucking great at this," mm-hmm. and later been like, "Oh, I definitely was not nearly even vaguely as great as I thought mm-hmm. that I was." Right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think I swung the pendulum okay. the other so you way. Actually, you went towards the. The accuracy. I yeah. Part. Well, I, at I, least as far as you know. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, ne- I never hit a point where I felt like I was uh, misunderstood. Where like people, where I thought that because I guess the the idea of imposter syndrome is you're doing the work and you're making stuff, mm-hmm. and other, and some people are like, "Hey, this is pretty good," and you're sitting there thinking, "But but maybe it isn't," and eventually somebody somebody out there is going to suddenly discover. That I've been like bullshitting the entire mm-hmm. time, right? Uh, because I always felt like I was always bullshitting, mm-hmm. and that that's just kind of how people do things. Mm-hmm. And I so, don't, yeah, well, that, so then, that's a more. And I was really overconfident at first, but yeah, so you still like we're on the first part of the Dunning yeah, Kruger, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so is a, is a key part of imposter syndrome then the fact that you're actually re- trying to relate yourself to the group of people who does the same work? That's actually, yeah, that's and, what and then it's you, about. and you have a belief that they that they know something that you don't, yes, yeah. and okay. that. Even though the the stuff that you're producing, uh, you know, on the face of it looks the same in terms of quality and is like, right. well, that, that somehow they have some knowledge that you don't have. 
and that you're going to be but found it's, out as a But fraud, it's not just right? that either because it's also your inability to judge the quality of your work. So it's not just like, oh, I'm making stuff that's the same quality, but I must somehow be doing a worse job anyway, right? Right. It's the literal incapability of uh, of someone basically looking at the work that they've made and being unable to realistically compare it to somebody else's work, right? right. So that mm-hmm. you actually can't say – this work is as good as that work. All you actually will ever say is my work is must be is worse because I made it. Right. Yeah. And so that's like, so I think there are different, there are lots right. of, just like anything, there's a, there's a spectrum of imposter syndrome. Right. Right. And on, when you get all the way away from it, you end up in like the, the realism phase. Right? Sorry. When you get right in the Where middle you can of look it. at a thing you made and impartially evaluate it. Yeah. And think it's like, like the it's the imposter to egomaniac. Yeah. And you curve. can say like, <laughs> it's like the thing you're that in the I've middle, made, you're accurate. Right. And if you go left, you're full of yourself. And if you go right, mm. you're undervaluing yourself. Right. So you basically. can take the thing that you've made and set it next to like 10 other things that are out there in the market that are roughly yep. in the same area. And you can reliably kind of pinpoint where it falls where you're, right, you know, exactly. in terms of. And we, and we see this constantly with people who are on the, the other side of the curve, right? Where where they make something that you just is visibly garbage, right? And, and then they can't understand why nobody will buy it. Yes. Right. Right. And this is this is so, this is so <laughs> common in in certain circles that it's it, it's sort well, it's, of a, it's, it's common a trope, in, in you know? any kind of uh, creative. Field. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. In writing is true, and everything. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I know I've met people who've like given me samples of their writing, like you know, throughout my life, where they were like super excited, they were like going to go self publish it and do all this kind of stuff, and then I would read it and be like, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. not. I can't. I'm not. I, yeah. they're, they're clearly not here to ask for feedback. Otherwise, this is not what yeah, we're going to be happening. So I'm not going to provide any, but. Uh, I mean, I still have, cause it's also hard to get things off of your Amazon account if you got them in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I still have a couple self-published works that <laughs> I, are so bothersome. I want to like, I want to burn them off of you the thing. Get them out of there. But, yeah. Yeah. But and this, this is kind of tricky too, because of course, when you first start at something, you just bad at it. And that's, you know, that's part of it. That's required. That's, that's, that's required. That's part of the learning process. Um, and I, I do think that there's that. That part early on where you're bad at it, but you haven't done it enough to see just how bad. Yeah. And so you think that you're really miles good. and miles ahead of where you're at. And, that, and that's where you end up with those kinds of situations. I think the, the problem is if you find yourself in that place for a really long time mm. where you think that the thing that you're making is just unbelievably great and nobody else seems interested in it for years and years and mm-hmm. years, you got to take a step back. Yeah. You know? Okay, so Re-evaluate. going back to the question, like how – how was that trajectory for both of you? And then what, what, where are you at now? Uh, so I was like actually similar okay? to Seth as well, which is that I didn't, I never really dove deep into the imposter syndrome territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you feel like that's because both of you actually have had less, less of a relationship with sort of the, the industry group in a sense? No, I think actually in a lot of ways it probably would have helped because I would have had a sense of like what it means to be mm-hmm. good or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think for me it was, it was my, my trajectory through, through life was like super focused on academia and, you know, then and doing the science path and all this kind of stuff where, where I, I embraced a long time ago, the idea that I didn't know anything and neither did anybody else. Right. Uh, and so that allowed me to kind of pull that, that part yeah. of the ego thing away where I, when I would be trying to evaluate my own work, um, I, I was, I've been able for a long time to evaluate it on its merits, not on, not on my merits. Right. Or like the, what I believe the person I am and all that kind of stuff, kind of stuff. So that if I look at something I made, I, I feel like I can fairly accurately judge it in the absence of the fact that I made it. Um, and so that, that allowed me to be, I still like follow the curve cause you can't, you can't not yeah. follow the curve. Yeah. Right? Uh, but, <laughs> but it's but, a question of how high you spike and yeah, how, it's how high you and go and how low you go. How right? low you dip. And I felt like I didn't, 
I felt like I, I did the same, that, that early Dunning-Kruger part where you like overestimate. I definitely like, I did that. I definitely did that. But when I started coming down the other side and recognizing just how little I actually did know, um, I found it pretty easy to not under, like to not reduce my own self-worth and value, et cetera, as a consequence. I was just like, okay, well, there's just a bunch of shit I don't know. Like, oh, so well, so yeah. then I would try to learn stuff. Uh, but it did take, uh, it basically took until uh, two years ago um, when I finally got out of not exactly the imposter syndrome part, but like I never considered myself to be like a, a professional programmer or a web developer, or whatever. And not because I was thought I was undervaluing myself, but because I I knew that I literally wasn't doing any of the things that, that professional right. software developers do. You're just I, hacking away. <laughs> I, was just, I was literally hacking. Right. And, uh, and that doesn't mean I was doing a bad job and it doesn't mean I was writing bad code. It doesn't mean any of those things. And I didn't think that it did. It just meant I was not behaving the way that I understood a professional programmer would be behaving. And so it wasn't until I started to build Rumpus and switch to a completely new stack of web tech and try to really start to deploy like true, uh, true software methodologies that people like actually use out in the world as far Mm -hmm. as I understand it, given that I don't participate in it, uh, that I started to see myself as an actual like professional program. So it's basically once it's less about the work output and more about the sharing of the methods yeah. to get there that makes yep. you made you feel it's like about it's about actually being part of the the system, right? That's what allows you to do it. That's what allows you to evaluate your work. Because if you are if you're only hacking ever, right, then you actually cannot you can't evaluate your work. Right? Like the quality of the work itself. You can you can evaluate the outcome. Right. Right. And that's that's why it never bothered me because I was like, I'm getting the outcomes that I want. Um uh but the the way in which that I did it, I had no way to know if it was good or not. Right, because it was essentially random. It was, it was essentially random, and and there's no there's no benchmarks to compare it to. If I look at other people's code, it looks completely different from mine because I'm not using any standards, you know. So like, I can't <laughs> I can't ju- and I don't know what I do and don't know because I don't have people to bounce stuff off of, right? Uh, but once you start adopting standards and adopting ways and adopting ways of doing things, then now all of a sudden you're like, okay, well here's you actually get to start looking at the set of like shared knowledge that these people are supposed to have, you know, given that they're in this category. We can more easily compare. And you can more easily compare because now you can like open up people's source code, you know, for open source projects and look at the quality, look at how that's written and ask like, do I understand this? And this is this how I would write it? And, and those sorts of questions. And that starts to allow you to just actually judge what you're doing relative to other people because it's related. <laughs> it's right. it's actually oranges to oranges instead of apples to oranges. Yeah. I, I think my, the, the one time where I kind of bumped up against this probably is, is earlier in my programming career, I would meet uh, computer science people, like mm-hmm. people who had a master's in in computer science or math, or you know. Um, and these these people could talk circles around me when it came to their understanding of of algorithms and and all this other Data stuff, structures and everything else. Yeah, um, and that that did bother me at the beginning, but only in the sense that I was wished that I knew what they knew. You know, right. like that was, I would, I would hear about these things. I'm like, oh man, I wish I had, you know, gone to school for, for this, the thing mm-hmm. that I'm doing so that I would have that foundational knowledge instead of like flailing my way through. Um, but at the end of the day, I was still going to work every day, making games and programming all day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and getting generally good responses with the stuff that I was doing. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll learn that stuff as I need to. Right. And it sucks that I don't know it, but it's also not really a problem, mm-hmm. you know? So it's fine. Yeah, this is fine. You, I think, right? <laughs> I mean, especially, yeah, especially with how things work now where you can, you can just see so many people's work just, I mean, just by, you know, tooling around on Twitter or on Instagram, or whatever else, whether it's an art context or a programming context, 
uh, I think it's one of those things that's really easy to forget that what you're always seeing is polished final products. And so you can't. You're not seeing the get, the get history. Exactly. Of so all you, the garbage. You just <laughs> can't know how fucking hard it is to actually get to that point and how many steps are involved and how many missteps are involved, I think. And I think it's kind of unfortunate because you, there's not a lot of, there's not enough, I think, behind the scenes on these things that let you really understand the extent to which everyone's kind of flailing through and learning as they go, whether it's programming or whatever else. Um, and the end result, I think, is that it makes it harder to pick up and stick with something in the end because you keep on seeing all these just phenomenal it's like the it's like the facebook problem you know it is like people curate their facebook feed to only show all the great parts of their lives yeah so i used to like and then it makes all their friends depressed yeah i used to actively (laughs) avoid things like uh deviant art or art station because i mean so good seriously if you just look at anything on art station it's just like you just pull up that front page. You're like, what the yeah, fuck? Like, like, this is I am garbage. It is unbelievable. <laughs> genuinely well, yeah, and unbelievable. it is still the case that like a lot of the tools that I use, while in principle, if I like really dug into it, like in principle, I could figure out how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's effectively magic, you know? Yes. So, like, so, you know, so I use Vue for all the front yeah, yeah. end stuff. And that shit is goddamn magic. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it's doing like all this just crazy wacky stuff and, and every like every week i learn some new like little fundamental piece about oh like that's why this thing that i've been doing for a year ends up having this effect <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like it's like there's yeah. so much yeah to it and, and it's it's one of those like that, we're like, like monkeys playing with fire yeah exactly like, we don't know. It's like, yeah it, it's a, so there are these these things and i think and again, i think it's i think it's healthy for a person's ego to be like i could never i could never sit down and like develop that's yeah. that's there's there's a core developer it's like when we that found, is making this thing it's like when we it's found one notion. fucking guy and no, yeah, yeah notion's right? a similar thing we're yeah. like we still just we just look at it we're like i don't know we're like this yeah, is i nice. don't know i literally have i couldn't even <laughs> i couldn't even begin i know how to use it problem don't know anything else don't know what's going on so, but but I actually find these things really reassuring because that 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 tells me like there are there's literal miles for me to go before decades man there's, literal decades yeah. exactly before before I could possibly peak and scale yeah. right <laughs> uh, and by then of course there will be all kinds new of technology new stuff. and new stuff so, so I actually love seeing just how good people can get at stuff and also seeing how far away I am from them when I can accurately judge yeah. it well, because that gives me like oh like, ooh there's a that's a place it's like that the, I it's like be. the Wonder Woman thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although with Wonder Woman, since she's an actual god, so you can't ever get there. But you can you know? work toward it. Yeah. It's very <laughs> it's very inspiring, but not in a way like I'm gonna do that. Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's where you find yourself on the other side of the imposter syndrome, is where you can look at other people's work and actually be excited and interested yeah. by it. It's like usually now I'm like, excited by the fact that you couldn't even figure out how to do yeah, it. Yeah. So like I actually now usually every couple of days I'll go to our station and just kind of tool around just to kind of be to literally just to be, be inspired. Like, Whoa, yeah, this is yeah. incredible. Right. And then sometimes I look at people's color palettes and I'm like, how the fuck? I'm trying to balance like four over here. And it's just, I'm just, I don't even know. And I'm just, I'm so impressed. But yeah. I, have, I have no idea how to recreate it. I'm just That's like, an interesting wow. note though. Basically what we're talking about is looking at stuff that is, that is dramatically beyond your skill. So good. Yeah. And then being inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. just being like, instead I'm going to keep going. Right. Yeah. Instead of getting down on yourself as a consequence and being bummed that you're not there. Yeah. So maybe that's the point where you've kind of, where you've, where you've started to get past the, You started to heal. Well, I think it's yeah. because you start realizing that you can get to some of these points because you understand, you've been along the path enough to know what goes into just even where you're at. Yeah. Right? But also that even if you can't, if, because I think you have to, you have to have a certain level of quality and, and, a, and like an accurate understanding of the quality of your work mm-hmm. before you can look at other people's really good work and only be like pumped and inspired by it. Because me, part of it is too is, is the is the is the awareness that like 
that the the level of knowledge and skill required to make something like view is something that I don't believe I will ever have. Mm-hmm. I do not think I'm ever going to get there, right? And a lot of it is like I'm doing other things. I'm not even going to be trying to get there, right? But even if I did, the amount of work and like effort required to get to that level and that and that knowledge domain is fucking enormous. And I'm I'm not I'm not going to make that journey, right? right? And uh, and instead of being like upset that there's somebody out there who's just like going to forever be far more so knowledgeable capable. and capable <laughs> than I am in that domain. Uh, I just think it's fucking awesome that somebody is that capable and that they've made this awesome thing mm-hmm. that I now get to use and enjoy. Well, maybe part of it though is that you know you're bringing value in a very different way. You're able to use yeah. the tool to deliver value right. in a different way. And so part of it I think is recognizing whatever it is, whatever your special mix of stuff is yep. that you're bringing to the table. You it's don't just, have to be you. the one making the game engine. Exactly. If, so, you know, but if you make a game using a game engine, like you didn't do a worse job yeah. because you didn't also make the game engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just did something else. You just did something <laughs> else. Yeah, this is very much where I've gotten with the art stuff where it's like I don't I don't think I will ever be making stuff that is in and on purpose because the tools we use and the sort of games we use that approaches this level of uh, visual fidelity that you see in some of these other either 2D games or just AAA games generally, uh, which are all about these like really beautiful and intense special effects, all this stuff. My things will be getting better all the time, but they, they're always and I think they will just have like a goofy squishy sort of vibe to it. That's, That's just the whole thing. That's, That's just, just who what you I do, you know? <laughs> and I think Yeah, but and the thing is like you're you're perfecting that style and it is your style. And it's, it's one of those things that like at some point, very few people will be able to pull off something that looks like your work. Right. Right. And that's actually already the case. Um, it's just that a really good artist can kind of mimic a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. Um, but but it already is the case that like you're you're now actually in that domain. You're now one of the yeah, experts, I've got my right? own style. You got that's your cool. own style. Yeah. And so you actually, and this is true if you're making, if you're programming, this is true if you're doing anything like, you know, Seth, Seth's code and the way that he designs his, his game content has its own style. The way that I write all my code has its own style. And, I, and I've been leaning a lot more on, on like industry standards and stuff than probably anybody else on the team. Um, but even still, like you, you can't just like say, okay, well, this is how, this is how code gets written and then just turn around and write code exactly like some other person. Yeah, it's always, well, like we talked about last week, you know. If you're making Keebler Elf cookies, you got to put your soul into it. Yeah, that's how it's, it's, it's a create. It's all a creative enterprise, and so there's yeah. there's a lot of room for yeah. variation. Well, so I had this last week. Uh, we were recording. We, Levelhead actually has the first cutscene that was sort of made on purpose with voice with voice in it um, in the game in the game for the, like ever. And so I was working on that last week, and I I was really nervous about it because I had to do the voice for it. And of course, you know, over the years, like I've done the voice for our trailers before, but there's always some assholes you know who are like, <laughs> like i hate this person or you know this narrator is terrible whatever and so and they're always, you know something about it, oh they're trying to be someone else whatever else and so i was trying to figure out what this voice should be and i was working on it thinking about it and then i was talking to seth about it and i was like should i go for more of like this or, you know this sort of thing and he was like you know just go do you because it's gonna sound like you no matter what you do <laughs> and you may as well just roll with that just embrace that fact and use it and so and I was really struck by it because also that day in my little like planner, the quote at the top was a Dolly Parton quote, which said, uh, figure out who you are and then do it on purpose. And it was just like <laughs> – it was so – it was such a weird like perfect timing thing. Yeah. And even with this conversation, the same thing where it's just, you know, once you figure out kind of the angle you want to take, you can you can relax a little bit about all these other people in the room, you know, feeling like you don't belong whatever else and just recognize that, you know, you're just doing your thing and, and that's just – that's just fine. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and even just that, you know, the, the internet gives us the benefit of really just fully realizing that you can't please everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, like, yeah. like we got this Bob Ross 
style video and the comments are just universally people are just like oh yes yeah so great enjoy, and fun. then there's a thumbs down yeah. you know like there's always gonna be that yeah. one person yeah no people just it. people just have to shit on things it's mm-hmm. just there's a, there's always that fringe mm-hmm. uh all right next question comes from potty sitter gamer guy the potty who, sitter uh, gamer he's guy? just he's sitting on the potty <laughs> uh <laughs> oh, that, gaming. yeah yeah that makes sense so he's probably playing maybe Crashlands or something on his, his phone. phone. Yep. Can we take up a collection for Retro Banana Man NL so he can finally get his proper Banana Man license? He's been non-licensed for far too long. <laughs> I think it's at this point it's become too much of a core part of his identity. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, that's his brand. Yeah. So I think He's I think I would want Banana Man. Yeah, I think I would not want to take away that part of his identity. I'm in agreement. So I have to say no on that one. I yep. You got to be careful doing these sorts of things for people without asking them first, because you know maybe yeah. You know this is kind of like you ever hear maybe about. There's a reason he doesn't have a license. Yeah, yeah. that's how he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever hear about people who win the lottery and then and all these terrible things start happening to them? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because you know they had everything set up a certain way, out. and all, all of a sudden, boom! You just threw a wrench into their whole mm-hmm. life, and now or now what? You maybe. thought you were giving them the lottery. But instead, you gave them a curse. A curse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's just let Retro Banana Man find his own way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and may- stay uncursed. Maybe he'll be- maybe he'll become licensed, but he needs to do it. Of his own free will. Uh-huh. He needs to do it with his own gumption, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with a plan and yeah. everything. Next question comes from Serrator. Reprise from the old shitty podcast page. This is an old <laughs> question. <laughs> How did you find your brand colors and what are their Pantone names? P.S. I'm listening to the podcast backwards because that is how Apple Podcasts offers them to me. And finally, before episode 100, I heard the bell sound from kicking a table leg. You got rid of several podcasts later or for me earlier by hanging the mics. for <laughs> So for we used reason- to slap the shit out of our mics all the time. <laughs> it still happens on occasion. Uh, for some reason, you said he listens to him backwards. I was like, How? I think you just mean it's in reverse chronological order, probably. I think if you listen to them backwards, we're just slowly summoning summoning demons. Some large we demons. actually summon yeah. demons also if you play them forwards. It's we we're did just, it. We did it both ways. A lot of demon yeah. summoning. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the logo colors we just sort of stumbled on. So if you look at, there's actually our old our old logos floating around in various places. We had two of them. This one was like a flock of birds. That was before we had made anything. I don't, we really, ever, <laughs> I don't think we ever used that. On it was anything, during we? one game jam we used it. Okay. And so it was around. And then we had a, one, the first one that actually said like just butterscotch shenanigans. Uh, but that one was actually white and gold. Yeah. And then yep. it became gold and purple, et cetera. And it's just become a little bit more colorful as time has gone. I actually rebuilt it about a month and a half ago because we were about to make the, or I guess actually right before the shenanigans. That was a while ago. Because um, we were about to get a big fat head of the logo. And I've known for a long time that it's actually it was it was made using my old style of making assets, and so it had actually just a shitload of rough edges on it. Which once you blew it up and stuck it on a wall, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, gonna be able to see. It. Yeah. And so I had to go in there and fix it. And so I also just sort of upped the the color values a little bit. I don't know what the Pantones are because we just printed on stuff kind of willy nilly <laughs> off of SVG files. Yeah, you ever if you ever worked with a larger company, they always have these brand. They have a brand uh, Bible. Bible where mm-hmm. it's they'll they'll have a, a binder, you know, that they'll deliver to you of like all the rules in which you can use their logo. And if you work with these exact RGB color values, yeah. everything has to be. And if you work with the platforms, you'll actually get that from the platforms. So yeah. if you work with Nintendo Switch, for example, like they're red, very specific red. That, is th- that if red. Use it, if you're wondering why. The Switch logo is usually shown with a red square around it. It's because that is how That's you how it has wired to be. according to the brand guidelines. To do yeah, it. Well, it's true. It's true with like 
you know, those little like uh, get it on iTunes or, uh-huh. or no, sorry, the App Store. Right? The app get, store. get it on the App Store again. Brand guy, brand guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is is we were actually told by by our Apple people that we need to stop calling it iTunes because yes. like on our website we refer to iTunes or whatever, and like no, you have to change this all to the, the App, app store. store. It's not the App Store, and, uh, which and we. You, are not that big of a fan of because there are many app stores. Yeah, but this is the, they want theirs the to one. be the app store. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. it is. So I, I just find it confusing, but apparently they've done a good enough job of maintaining this that people get it. So that's yeah. fine. Well, I mean, the thing is, well, it, people actually just call it the Apple App Store in conversation. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it does it does make sense when you're dealing with like when you're a huge entity like that to try to enforce some. You know, because you have, people, to. you have to have standards. Yeah, and people are always trying to modify. It's them. always going to be slippery around the edges, but like you got to try to keep mm-hmm. it. Yeah, keep it together. We're well, also trying to keep people from tricking their customers and you know yeah. all that stuff. So I mean, I think I think it's all good stuff, but it can be. It has been very aggravating on occasion because, uh, in particular, we're trying to build a web page where it's like, okay, we need to go grab the whole like get it on this platform for uh, all the different platforms. And each different one, sizes. different sizes and dimensions, mm-hmm. and like minimum resolutions and different color. My favorite and, one is when they're like, this has to be first in the list. Of yes. things that you put on your site. And you're like, but this one also says it has to be first. What the fuck? <laughs> we like, right, we'll make a vertical list and put all the first ones <laughs> side by side. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually, right. I was joking about doing some, uh, some geofencing, uh, which is where um, you define like an IP range around. So you could put area. one around each platform. Exactly. And show so theirs. if you're in an, an Apple first. store or something, then yeah. it's like, all right, we'll show that one first. You're over yeah, Google but HQ. we have now conflicting brand guidelines. Yeah. So. We, can, and we can do it by device. Right? So if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, uh, <laughs> if your browser says it's coming from Safari, it can be like, cool. That means any an iOS person, stuff goes yeah. first. Now, this of course we will not now. do this. We always do it by the book. You know, well, the if everybody actually, has to be I think, first. I think, then the we'll geo, do I think the geofencing one is definitely like, pseudo malicious and maybe not appropriate but I think, I think, that, I think it's, really it's more like a, like a it's like a trademark it's like a prank. Com- well it's like a commentary really well, yeah but it is but I think it's kind of like it feels too much like you're tricking somebody yeah, right? like, I think that's not I think that's no good but I think I think using somebody's browser to be like well like you're on Safari probably you care about iOS Apple stuff products, so yeah. we'll we'll put that one first because that's right. probably the one you care about like that's not only fine but actually probably a better user experience yeah. so I think that one's acceptable that I, one's I haven't done it but it's, it's but I could do it. Yeah. It is my least favorite part of putting trailers and things together is dealing with all the yeah the end screen the end. yeah the end screen takes as long to put together as the whole fucking trailer. Yeah, well, you're also like, yeah because you're actually not according to guidelines you're not allowed just to like put their logos in there. You're not allowed to do a whole bunch of stuff that you would. No, we actually so we had to re- and also it, I think the main thing about it is I can't just build it and be done with it because it all needs approval. It all needs approval and their yeah. approval takes a while and then they'll always have something. Yep. So, uh, so for example, like we've gotten in trouble before for fading in a logo. Yep. Cause that's an animation. It's an animation. You can't, you can't animate the logo. And I was like, this happens. Just like, boom, it just has to be there. I was like, this happens <laughs> over point, like point oh five. So it's like four frames mm-hmm. and it just fades in. I don't, I'm, I'm honest. Like <laughs> well, what the fuck well, is the problem? Think about it. Maybe a what bit will happen is somebody will pause the video during that time. That's true. Take a screenshot. Now, boom, there's the a picture faded. of a only partially visible logo mm-hmm. which is bad for the brand yeah so it's yeah. like you spend you know you'll spend 40 hours working on a trailer or something and then you have these just just infuriating very bureaucratic back. yeah very moments. i think that's what yeah. it is actually it's less the badges more the bureaucracy around yeah it. all the spacing and stuff though. i don't like yeah that. but who knows maybe we'll be having to do this someday you know like, excuse me the butterscotch and the shenanigans need to be this far apart oh, that'll be yeah. the dream do not put you know, anything whatever do that i want to have like literally 15 different logos that hit like all kinds of different dimensions mm-hmm. and color palettes and, and whatever just so that people are like you can just be like 
choose one of these. Like, no matter what you're doing, one of these will And work. the rule is when you use it, it has to be big enough that people can read it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Google Play has got a pretty good downloader thing for theirs. Where, yeah. Like, you can pick, I think you pick like how big it is or whatever. And then it just gives you the one as opposed to giving you all of them and having you sort through and get confused. Because, <laughs> right. like, I've, I mean, there's one thing people don't talk about actually on the design side is just having to read through these brand documents. Oh, God, it's horrible. My God. Like, it's just. It's, it's just not, a thing you got to do. It's not very riveting. Yeah. The storylines are terrible. The character arcs are, <laughs> not, they don't have any development at yeah. all. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it's even stuff like on the, on the website. Cause I try to use icons for a lot of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. and I, and I used to just, I used to then like go through all the brand guidelines and like only find the buttons and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and now I, I, now I do that for only for one specific case, which is on a page that is trying to sell the game yeah. when it needs to say like, get it on the store or whatever. Then I still do that there. And anywhere else where I want to reference that store or whatever, I just use like an icon mm-hmm. that's just the, represents the brand because people will get it mm-hmm. and it's fine. And I know it's technically against the rules. And I'm just hoping that it's that it's fine. And we'll but, just yeah. skate Hopefully by they're not one. being too much of sticklers about it in in that circumstance. Yeah, I think the thing is they they mostly seem to not be. I think it, I think it's, it's when you're like, selling it or putting. Yeah, it's these really specific usually. scenarios where where they they think it's a it's a big deal. And I think they're probably right that it is. So. It's not in your case, but it is in the aggregate. Yeah. Well, it's, it's part of that. You know, we've talked in the past about when you have a trademark, you have to develop a, a paper trail of showing how you've been protecting your brand yep. and having rigid brand guidelines and then being a real stickler about it yep. uh, is that's part of it. You mm-hmm. know, you make look at this email chain where we told them to change the red you know, color of this thing to this exact red. Mm-hmm. So see, like we're definitely <laughs> on. It. Uh, all right. Uh-huh. We have one really quick one. Uh, one. For, for the end of the podcast, mm-hmm. which is Fly Hoppy Axe Rampa says, would you ever consider doing a lightning round style podcast every once in a while where instead of the normal news and conversation, you answer as many questions as you could possibly answer in an hour? If we, so, we would you this. announce this ahead of time oh. so people could submit a bunch of short, silly questions? Yeah, we can do lightning round sometime. So we have we have done we do it a pure, pure question sessions, yeah. mm-hmm. but well, we have not given people a heads up. Should we? Yeah, we just were like, we don't have a lot to talk about because of secrets. So we'll just answer a lot. I think of the problem with a pure lightning round thing, if it's a whole bunch of just like one sentence question, one sentence answer kinds of scenarios, is like that's going to, for an hour, I'd want to stab my own eyes How, out. What, what if we did. What's the likelihood of us not talking about something? Zero. More than a sentence. So the thing is, like, <laughs> is we can't even intend to do we it. We can't even just answer this question with yes or no. Correct. You know what I mean? So here's the thing we could do this next week. What if we have stuff to talk about next week? Well, we'll keep it very brief. If we so have any like news, thirty minutes or so. If we have any news, <laughs> we'll we'll trim it from thirty minutes down to twenty-seven. Done. Then the rest of the episode, we will answer as many questions as we can, <laughs> allocating anywhere between five to twenty minutes per question. Probably what we should do is just set a timer. <laughs> set a timer that's like a just a two-minute thing, so you can't. Whatever we're talking about, you got to wrap it up. It'll in be two like minutes. those fun times back in a college and stuff when you were given a presentation. And then yes. somebody – you just started talking and then somebody would hold up a sign at the mm-hmm. end like three-minute warning or whatever. And you're like, I love right. that. My group threw me under the bus. Now I have to conclude this complex presentation in 30 seconds. Yeah, Excellent. I love that shit. Thank you. It's the best. <laughs> we should do that. That would be a good way to do it. Yeah, we could do it. We could do it next week. I'd be down. What do we have, what do we have uh, going on next? Think, Is there something happening? Next week. I mean we'll, I we'll probably we have – we might have more level head stuff to talk about, but we can do it quick. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Next week – is going to be a question blitz. Okay. Question answer. If it's a, if it's it's a, a question lightning anza. round, 
No, but it's like slow lightning. So it's like a that's ball lightning. Is a lightning? Uh, it's round. a ball lightning. Yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's the ball lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> ball, ball lightning. Episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So submit your questions this week at podcast.vsketch.net. Or maybe a lightning round is when a th- you know thunderstorms happening, and then it adds additional layers of lightning striking at the same yeah. tempo. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. like a coral round. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, and then like you just uh, keep when people building. sing "Row, row, row your boat." Exactly, yeah, and that yeah, that's all lightnings. Uh huh. We'll make a lightning round. Yeah, that's what it is. So, is ball lightning slow? Uh, what the fuck is ball lightning? <laughs> is it literally a ball of electricity? It's a really... ball of electricity. People have talked about it. I remember looking this up a while back. So, like, is this real? It does exist. It is it? real, but people have been unable to sort of figure out what causes it. It's hard to debug. Can it? Can it <laughs> it's not reproducible. It's basically a lightning it, bug. Can it? Does it roll? Like what is it? No, it just is it, it in the air as a ball or is it on the ground? It's in the air. In some cases, it is moving, and in other cases, it's stationary. It lasts for a very brief ever, moment, and then it goes away. Has it ever dunked through a basketball hoop? Nobody's mm. ever dunked a ball lightning. Okay, and, and it's has never Thor dunked a ball. Never, I mean, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, it's within. Reason. It's never self dunked, as far mm-hmm. as people know. Yeah, but. You know, there's that saying of if a ball lightning dunks itself and, and nobody's around to see, to see it. it. That's true. <laughs> Does it, did it actually dunk? Maybe it shows up sometimes ready to dunk, sees people watching, and then it's like, oh, shit. Gets oh, out, I just got know? some imposter syndrome. Yeah, I can't be doing Ball this. lightning <laughs> is basically when you accidentally sort of like walked in on a ghost playing basketball mm. and then they panic and then they get the fuck out of there. And yeah. the, the, the speed with which they exit creates a ball lightning. Situation. No, they were already Maybe playing back. with the ball. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're, they're running away with the ball. <laughs> mm, okay. That's why when people see the ball landing, either it stands still or it just leaves, right? Because it's like either the ghost was like, oh, shit. Maybe and if then, I sit here, maybe, the maybe, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they caught me playing basketball in the living room. Uh, yeah. Or they just ran away. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So submit questions. Podcast.beschedule.net. Keep them. Uh, <laughs> We're going to easily answer at least one question. Keep them generally brief. We're going to go real hard on these questions. We're going to get mm-hmm. six. Uh, no promises. We're going to get up to one question answered uh, <laughs> next week. So up to up to part of one question answered. All right. So we'll do that. And that's all time we have for this week. So we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running, which is now completely buried in new people who are mm-hmm. getting into the level head alpha. And when I say buried, I mean we like full. And when you say getting f- into, you mean who are applying? Who are to applying into. to the abs? Yeah, we crested the five hundred mark. I think we almost hit the 600. We like, hit like 570 or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a madhouse in there. We're going we're, we're gonna to have to figure out how to solve this problem sooner rather than later. We'll do it later. Well, actually, Find right now, almost everybody who comes in doesn't say anything. So currently, we don't have to solve this problem. Perfect. Just keep doing that. Just come in and lurk. <laughs> uh, to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can go to podcast.bscotch.net. We got merch. We got links to the community Discord uh, where you can come and lurk. We got ways for you to donate to the podcast and also links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.